Join Ans and Scotty October 15th from noon to 3 at 185 West 12th Street, Suite C in Ogden. Customers that visit will receive a free liquid screen protector for your Android or Apple devo- device while supplies last. We're joined right now by Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Hey, good morning, fellas. What's going on? Oh, another week, another favorite in the Pac-12. Washington State looks yeah, really yeah. good. Washington looks really good. Oregon and Arizona look really good. Are you buying any of this? Or you figure just put it all in the wash for October and just let it go through the spin cycle and see how it spits out in November? Yeah, I, uh, that's how I kind of feel. Every year with the Pac-12, and, and I think we've almost said this too many times to remember, but there's just all kinds of head-scratcher wins and losses, and you, you, you kind of just have to wait to see how it plays out. I mean, you, you hope that your team is doing a great job and maybe only having a one-off, but, man, it seems like every year at this time we're starting to get some wins and losses that you're just like, man, I did not see that coming. And I, I don't even know how to explain it sometimes. So I, I'm, I'm more of the type that's going to just wait and see what happens here because, man, it's just it's, every year I'm confused about what happens about this time of year. Uh, that's a bunch of crap. This year it's all about Utah. They're the overwhelming favorite. They're in a great spot. They should be favored. They got seven games left. At worst, at worst, they're going to be favored in six, possibly all seven games. So it's their division to seize. We'll worry about who they play, Oregon, whoever it might be, when we get to that point. But as far as the South goes, it's them and everybody else. And anybody who thinks differently is either a fan who wants to put up a defense mechanism to make sure they're not hurt or they're blind. Which one do you fall in? I'll give you a third category, and you see the obvious, Riley. You got three categories. Choose one. So, so I'm either blind, yes. or I'm what? I'm blind. You're or a fan I'm, who wants to put up a defense I'm a mechanism. Fan. That's what it is. That's what I am. I'm a fan who's putting up a defense mechanism. No. I mean, look, Utah is in a great situation when you start talking about it. They are. Um, I think what's a little bit different this year is that they're 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 hunted rather than hunting, and it seems like in the past nobody really thought they were going to win the South or those sorts of things. And now when teams come to play them, they're going to bring their best game, and it's a different mindset. It's a different type of mentality when you know you're going to take the best shot from everybody. But there's no question that that Utah has this completely within their sights that they have it completely under their control and I think that's probably what Coach Whittingham is talking about. He's like, look, don't get caught up in all this. We just have to win on Saturday and then we have to win on Saturday and then we have to win on Saturday and that's our job is to just each week stay focused on the task at hand and and take care of our business. Riley Jensen joining us here, our college football insider. Anything to worry about in the matchup with Oregon State and Utah? Well, I mean, obviously Utah has the players and the depth and all those things. And I think the one thing that I love about college football is that sometimes we forget 
that even at Oregon State, most of those players were the best player on their high school football team. We forget that these are Division One athletes. You forget that these are Pac-12 athletes that are playing at Oregon State. And so if Utah doesn't come prepared, if they don't come ready to play, and they let Oregon play with them and let Oregon play with them, then all of a sudden they're in a game. I mean, look at UCLA last week. I mean, that, that's, that's turning into a dumpster fire down there. But it was all because they gave them confidence early in the game. So I think what you, what you want to do, and and I do not, by the way, I'm not comparing Utah to UCLA or, or any of that stuff, but what I'm trying to say is if you let Oregon State play with you for the first half, then you give them a little bit of confidence, then it's going to take you a little bit of, to, to kind of make a halftime adjustment and really lean on them. But if you come out quick and you're, you're able to do the proverbial punch them in the mouth a little bit, then they're not going to be so willing to play the whole game. And so... You just don't want to give teams like that confidence because if you do, I mean, they're still good football players. They still run fast. They still can hit. They still can throw the ball around, even though they don't have as good a record as everybody, you know, maybe thinks. And so you think it's a yawner. So you got to come out. You got to be focused on the fundamentals of your game plan and just come out and really get after these guys early and put them away because really a Pac-12 championship in some ways is a war of attrition. And it has to do with depth, and it has to do with having enough players that are good enough to come in and replace a starting player because of injuries. That's what that's what you worry more about as a Utah fan right now is is do we have the depth? I think they do, but do you have the depth to make it through a Pac-12 season and still be able to win games? Yeah, that leads me into my very next question because Britton Covey announced, not this week, but last week, that he was probably going to redshirt this season. And so they used him early. And when they used him, he clearly wasn't the Britton Covey of that we've seen the last prior years. So each time they threw him the ball, he really couldn't do much. So it was actually a negative. And now he's going to try to get himself healthy for the coming two years. And, you know, we wish him nothing but the best. But you speak of that depth. So how have not they haven't had Britton Covey at all this season to the level that he was, and now he's not going to be here at all. Obviously, going forward, how big of a blow do you think that is? That not having Britton Covey at the full strength of Britton Covey will be for the Utes going forward. Well, I think it's a little bit of a blow that you don't have the full strength Britton Covey, but I think we already saw that, right? Right, exactly. We saw that there was yes. a little bit of explosiveness gone. Yes. Um, I think. <laughs> What you worry about is that leadership. You worry about that ability to be there and really be there for the other guys and help them through things. Now, it's not like because he's hurt that you know he can't be there at the practices, that he can't be there in the game. But there's there's a little bit of a difference in the way that that players take coaching from players that are playing, and or or suggestions from players that are playing than from players that aren't playing. And there's also the, the the other psychological part of injury where you're injured a little bit. It's really interesting and it's fascinating when it comes to the psychology of injury is a lot of times, and I don't, I don't necessarily think this is going to be true with Britain because I think he's an outstanding human being and he's, he does a lot of good things as far as leadership goes. But players generally feel a little bit, um, how do I say it? Like they feel like they're just kind of away from the team a little bit because typically they're going to work on their knee or they're going to rehab or they're going to get some things done so that they can so they can heal up and so they can get back to the team. But they feel just a little bit 
away from the team and they feel a little bit disjointed when it comes to an injury. And typically it's not because the players don't really enjoy that player or really enjoy being around that player, but they're just not around as much when they get injured. And so it's kind of like, well, we have to move forward. We can't can't sit around going, man, I really wish we had Britton Covey because that would really help us. They have to play the best they can. They have to replace him the best we can. And sometimes that leads to a little bit of a, you know, uh, a little bit of a distance between the player that's injured and the team. So it'll be interesting to see if his leadership is still a key role here because I, I think his leadership is maybe one of the things that we can't put our finger on and that we can't really understand how much he really leads other players and helps other players to work hard and to be the best they can be because he's he's a fantastic person. Switching to the BYU-USF game, Jaron Hall is making his first start. You're a former quarterback. You've been an offensive coordinator uh, at multiple high schools for years. Coach up the quarterback who's making his first start on the road. What are you telling him? What can you do to get him ready for this? Well, I think if I'm coaching him up, there's there's two things that I talk about. I don't, I don't, I try not to overcomplicate it for a player. So, a lot of times, all I do is pick out one thing that I think is going to be a key thing for him. You know, it might be like, hey, every time you get to the line of scrimmage, I want you to point out who your read is. You know, and, and typically in the run game and the pass game right now, you can point out who your read is, right? They, there's there's all kinds of things that you can do so that doesn't, doesn't give away exactly what you're doing. Or I'll give him some sort of a task that says, hey, just be really aware of where the whip linebacker is in the protection today. And if you know where the whip linebacker is, then everything else is going to fall into place. But if you, I think I think the thing, the mistake that I made as a coach when I was younger in coaching was, hey. Don't forget to know where the whip linebacker is. Don't forget to know where the mic linebacker is. And oh, by the way, on this play, you got to read the cornerback, and you, and you give them this list, this long laundry list of all these things that they need to do, and it becomes overwhelming for a quarterback. So I think giving him one or two solid keys to like help him calm himself down is going to be a key. And then I, I I just think the second thing for him is to really just take what they give you. You don't. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be Zach Wilson. You don't even have to be the quarterback you were in high school. You just have to take what the defense gives you. And I think that's the hardest thing to learn in college is you want to throw for all these yards. You want to do all these great things for your teammates. There's also that element of I want to come in and show people that I should have been named the starter from the beginning. There's this I don't know very many quarterbacks that are second or third string who don't feel like they should be the starter, who don't feel in some way in their mind that they should be the guy. And what can happen is, is you come and you, you come into a game like this and you overcompensate trying to make too many big plays. And so if I were coaching him up, I would simplify what he needs to worry about and I would say, just take what they give you. If, if we run a bootleg play and you're open to run, run it. You know, If it's just a short pass, just take the short pass. You don't have to complete it deep a deep post down the field. And I think that helps take the pressure off of him, and it also helps you to accomplish what you want to accomplish as as the offensive coordinator, as the head coach. And I think you'll see that. I think I think he's a mature young man. I think that he can make plays with his feet and his arm. I think he's a better passer than people think he is. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts to the pressure. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for is how will he react to the pressure of playing in his first Division One football game as a starter. 
So as a, from a coaching perspective, you already talked about don't overload him going into it. And I, and I know what you mean. When I used to coach baseball, and I found myself coaching the bases, as the kid was walking from the on-deck circle to home plate, I would list about 73 things that he had to be aware of. And I realized, boy, that was just, that was just way over the top. There was no, if he even put the bat on the ball, I, was, I would consider it a victory after what I've done and mess with his mind. But during, during the actual game, how much are you going to have interaction with him and what is going to be your approach as far as X's and O's or rather trying to build up and strengthen confidence? Well, I mean, some of that depends on how the game's going, right? But I, but I think my game plan as a coach would be to become a master of questions for the game, not a master of, like, superlatives, you know, like – what did you see? Okay. What, what are you seeing? What, you know, and make sure that you're on the same page because just by asking those questions and finding out those questions, you can find out a lot about where he's at and how much of the offense you have in that you can leave in or that you need to take out. And, and I think that's, that's really the key as a coach is not like, Hey, you missed that read or Hey, you did this or that. It's more like, Hey, what did you see right there? Did you see the cover four defense? Did you see them roll to a cover three? Yeah, I saw it, Coach. Okay, so what took you to that throw? Well, I thought because they rolled to a cover three that I could hit that out over there in the flat. Okay, but you didn't see the backer underneath then? Is that what happened? Oh, yeah, I didn't see him at all, Coach. Okay, so we just need to be aware that when they roll to cover three, they're still going to try and cover the flat with the backer. You know, and I'm getting into a lot of different things, but you just keep asking find-out questions to see where he's at, and then – Really, after the first quarter, about the mid midway through the second quarter, you should know exactly where he's at mentally, and what plays that you can call to accentuate what he can handle. If that makes sense, because if you come out and you're like, "Dude, you just threw an interception to the guy you're supposed to be reading," he's like, "Yeah, no crap, I, I I didn't see him," you know. But if you ask questions and you find out what he's looking at, then you you can protect him a little bit as far as what's going on. And I, I think that's what I would be trying to do as much as I can. What can you do to help the defense? Because they're facing an inexperienced quarterback. USF is starting a kid who's, I think it's like his third start. And USF doesn't run the ball well. They're 88th in the country. Of course, BYU doesn't stop the run well. They're 119th in the country. What can you do to bolster that so you put more of the game on their inexperienced quarterback and maybe he makes some mistakes and helps you out? Well, and I haven't seen much film on this guy, but I think when we have a young starter, it's important to have kind of a blitz package in and then also a coverage package in. And I think you fill out the waters early in the game to see what he can handle and what he can't handle. If he can't handle the blitz package, then you keep bringing the blitz. If he can't handle the you know rush three, drop eight type thing, then, then you kind of stay with that. And so I think – I think you just kind of have to have both packages in. I think the best way to give your defense confidence, though, is to get a couple of plays early, early in the defense and see what's going on. And then, and then if if somebody's having a good game, like I feel like Kapusi's played some good football lately, or if some of these things are going on, and he starts to gain confidence, then then you start bringing packages with him and and putting him him in a situation where he can make plays rather than. Maybe worrying about the whole defense trying to be involved. Maybe you maybe you take one of your best two or three defensive players and you start putting them in spots to make plays for you. 
Your Aggies got a bye week. They're going to need it after that, or they're going to put that LSU thing behind them pretty quickly. Uh, I, I feel like they need a bye week, man. There was guys banged up all over the place. And, you know, the one thing that you worry about when you're a Mountain West Conference team is depth. And hopefully it'll give them a couple of weeks to get healed back up. Hopefully they'll have a couple of weeks to lick their wounds a little bit. I listened to Gary in some of his interviews. I mean, he's he's uh, he's pretty fired up after that game. He was impressed with some of the young guys that kept battling and making plays. Um, but he says, we're looking at the film, and we're looking at guys who quit. We're looking at guys who didn't quit. And uh, there was kind of like a, a firm upper left. There was kind of a, we better pull ourselves up by the bootstraps right here. I think he was disappointed with some of the things that happened in that game. Um, and, and he understands as a great coach that, that even though that game looked like a blowout, that there was a lot of things that were going on there that if you just get off the field on third down or if you just keep some drives going on third down, that that game becomes a lot closer and you're able to put pressure on an LSU team that's really, really good. And so I think he's not he's – not, you know, put this tape behind them. They're going to see this tape. They're going to learn from this tape, and then they're going to be ready for for University of Nevada. No question about it. Riles, thanks a lot. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Riley Jensen, our college football insider on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The savings run at Ken Garf West Valley Ram. Stop by the dealership during Ram Power Days and take advantage of the special offers on select new models. Whatever you're looking for, they'll have it at West Valley Ram. All right, PK, that was a lot of college football. You do have a baseball question up. Inspired, fresh as the day's headlines. Mayor of Oakland confirming... The commissioner has told him relocation of the athletics to Vegas. It could happen if the city doesn't stop suing the county there. They both uh, co-own the athletic stadium. The athletics want to, I think they want to buy the county out, and the city's suing to stop that deal. And the commissioner's like, knock it off. Let them buy it or they'll move to Vegas. Hockey's already gone in there. The NHL is there. The NFL's on the way. Could MLB be next? And that brings up a question you, pointed, you uh, posted at Facebook. Could our fair community, the beautiful state of Utah, the Wasatch Front, could we, could we support Major League Baseball? Could baseball fly in our beautiful community? Sure. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of negativity. A lot of people saying, no, it's not going to work. Why not? Multiple reasons. A lot of people are uh, going straight to the stadium issue. Who would buy? Who would build it? Who would pay for it? The, the, what I don't know that Vegas has a stadium. They they got a new uh, facility down there, but I don't know that it's a major league stadium. Uh, it's not. We built one for your silly soccer team. That cost less than a hundred million dollars, and base major league baseball stadiums tend to go for about three quarters of a billion. Stripped down, I'm sure you can soup them up and spend more on them, but. Well, until they get it ready, like the Chargers, they can play in the soccer stadium. <laughs> that doesn't really work. Why not? El Chappie Stadium funding would be an issue. Vegas will just pay for it, no questions asked. It's going to require somebody like Dave Cheggins buying a team and specifically wanting to move it to Utah. 
Okay, Dave, then do it. Dave, let's go. <laughs> there are multiple people suggesting multiple uh, owners, so that's pretty. Dave Chickens is currently overseas. Yeah, well, we're not we're not bringing him back. He'll be he'll be back in time. Don't need it to happen tomorrow. Well, your guy, he wants to be a big time owner. He wants to be a player. Bring Deloy in. Deloy, let's do it. You notice I just said your guy and he knew exactly who I was talking I knew about? Exactly. Not hard. Right. <laughs> there aren't a lot of billionaires lying The one around. guy, I gotta take this. And the one time I went out, don't leave the show. <laughs> oh, I've covered multiple times. Don't start. <laughs> the principle being the same. Do as I say, not as I, Look who's calling me. I gotta go. <laughs> Greg said, hate to be a buzzkill dissenting voice, but I don't see it at all. Among my many avid sports fan friends, baseball is not a passion at all. Get a team here, have them win, and it'll, and it'll be, be a passion. passion. <laughs> Everybody loves a winner. Yeah. They sold out when they had the Rockies and who was it, the Giants, or was it even the A's? They it was the Mariners. Time. Mariners? It okay. was the Mariners. Mariners. Yep. Yeah. They sold the freak out. <laughs> Brady says, get Qualtrics on board. Let's make this happen. Oh, those guys. <laughs> Ryan, what's up, I mean, buddy? Ryan. I mean, wants to be an NBA Dave owner. Deloy, move over. He's waiting for Sarver to get run out of town in Phoenix. Let's just go over here. This guy, you can be a billionaire. But you're anonymous. And be a billionaire who owns a team. Then everybody's running up to Jerry Jones. Jerry, what do you think? You're going to fire your yeah, coach? Yeah, exactly. And you, you got weekly appearances and press conferences, and you can't pick your nose without somebody looking at you in the box. I mean, you hand your glasses to your son or somebody else who cleans them. Remember that one? I do. Yeah. So Here. Wasn't it his son-in-law? Clean my glasses. Know. Well, uh, whatever. It's all people who want to hear part of the, who, the he, empire. He, he who has the gold makes the rules and big money. Big brings freedom every time. Rhino says the community desperately wants to be big time and love sports. People would support the team and give you guys more fodder, especially in the summer. Of course. Yeah, that would add oh, oh, Yogi Roth and take a hit on his airtime. Sorry, Yogi. Just going on that topic right there, I just got a text from a buddy. About time you guys are talking about baseball, I would absolutely buy season tickets. There it is. I, I would get a tat of the team. On the lower part of your back. Ryan Anywhere. says, Ryan on says, my face. <laughs> Ryan says the Jazz Utes and BYU fans blow a gasket at the mention of playing Sunday games. Now they'd be cool with one every week during the season. I just don't see it. Well, there's not. It's not a home week, home game. No, it'd be week. every other week. I assume they'd have half at home, half on the road. Well, yeah, that's what you do. Right. I don't know that it, it averages out to every other week, literally, but basically that's what it is. You play 81 games at home. I mean, the, the, for all the angst on the NBA not scheduling Sunday games, when they have playoff games, I believe they're all sold out. I, I'm pretty sure God's a baseball fan. And yeah. with all the changes you people are making, how do we know we don't have just a quick little meeting there and we'll have it at the ballpark? Get the missionaries there. That'd be our opportunity. They're sitting there. They can't go anywhere. Set up a booth. Have Come a team on. chapel. Come you gotta, on. You got to think progressively, man. This old stuff. And we've got a new guy there, and he's running the show. Look at all the changes you folks have been making left and right. Here they come. I mean, more, come on. More people who can uh, ante up. People get Elder Johnson good. there. I mean, come on. They're just groundbreaking left and right here now. It's got a nine of control. 
People are getting good at spending other people's money. And then they already talked about what's going to happen in April. Oh, my gosh. I got I got a countdown till April. I put up a little thing. Oh, in my, you do? You got a yeah. countdown? You flip the numbers over the staircase over the balcony every day there as you... No, it's electronic. Oh. Yeah. You're high end. I'm figuring, man, he already said. Right? Didn't, didn't they kind of uh, set the table for some huge stuff in, in uh, April? Am I right? That's what I heard. Doc, you got a yeah. countdown going? You looking forward to April? I don't you have a countdown going, but I am well, interested. Well, mentally, not. I'm interested to see what they ultimately oh, have planned. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> said it would be a groundbreaking... Alex Alex just tweeted at us, Gail and Senator Romney could be part of buying a group, and he tagged Senator Romney. Mitt, hey! So whoever's running Mitt's social media is like, what is this all about? Well, we'll get Donald Trump in there too, man. I mean, he tried the, uh, he owned the New Jersey Generals. May or may not have ruined a football league by doing that. I just want to give him another shot. You get those two together? They don't do this. It'll be the biggest choke since Romney in 2012. And right back to where we started. Yeah. Love is good. Uh, Bobby says it's not going to work. The LDS fans will blow a gasket. I wish the Jazz had playing Sundays, but that's not happening. The LDS fans would blow a gasket. The Jazz are playing a lot of road games on Sundays already. Yeah. I don't think anybody's talking about the road games. They're talking about filling the arena at a... I think they'd Home fill game it. For the well, Jazz, you don't need the to fill the stadium. This, stadiums are rarely yeah, filled. Yeah, we're seeing. It's all, but they're not. You know, it's important for the attendance, but a lot of it is on the television stuff. Television, corporate sponsorships. There are other revenue streams. Yeah. Merchandising. And don't don't you think that Jesus would be okay? Watch baseball. It's a family activity. Right. I mean, I don't understand this. Luke says we're only talking about a total of... on Sundays. Luke says a total of about 15 games on an 82-game schedule. I think it'd be doable. Well, you just divide the amount of Sundays in two. Right? RCZ 800. Have the Mormon Church dime up for the stadium. Utah Saints MLB team. Oh, they can connect it to the mall? We can found big... A huge mall from downtown all the way down to 13th South, if that's where they just redid the ballpark. Think of the possibilities, man. It's a big mall. <laughs> I'm thinking now that I know. That's one of the announcements in April. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go on vacation. Not now. I'm going to put on my best Levi's and go down to that conference center. Spencer says... Uh, I hope they will sell beer in the stadium, and it'd be another great thing to have another team that unites the Cougars and the Utes, like the Jazz. Hope they will sell beer. Yeah, they'll sell them for twelve bucks a pop. (laughs) (laughs) Sell them at these games. Sell them at Jazz games. There's money to be made. Drink responsibly, of course. Albert says, "I love baseball," and name the new team the Salt Lake Stallions. Oh wait, sorry, too soon. Rest in peace. The what? The Salt Lake Stallions. Alliance of American well, Football. I don't know anybody got into that is beyond me. <laughs> and Yak, don't fill up my time telling me about this other dumb league and these players locally. I thought you were off Twitter. I said time. I didn't say timeline. And I can still look at it. I'm just not going to participate. I never said I wouldn't look at it. Fair point. Uh, but I don't care about uh, some kid 
who's going to go to something and it's going to be over by June. What a waste of time. All the spring football leagues have really gone away quickly. Baseball, Ray. You build it in Salt Lake. Oh, my gosh. This will be the best migration since you know when. Steve says average attendance per game in the majors is around twenty eight to 30,000. The B's average attendance per game is around 7,000. I'd love it, but I can't see it happening. There's a difference between minor league and major league. Fact. When Todd Hilton came in, they had 15,000. Fill it up. Yeah. I don't remember who was on Seattle at the time. But I remember Todd Hilton was on the Colorado's team. And he was a good player for them for a number of years. In fact, he's probably Mr. Rocky. Hit the weather just right. There are people worried okay. about spring weather. Tony says, this is possible. It'd be great if the stadium had a retractable roof. It'll happen someday. Back to the mall. The mall has a retractable roof. Well, yeah, I don't necessarily know that you need it. you got to suck it up that time of year. I, I, I think what MLB should do, because I don't really think that home field is that big of a deal. Now it is in the Tampa uh, Houston series for some bizarre reason. And it has shown from time to time. I think the Twins had a decided advantage in the 90s when they were good playing in that dumb dome of theirs. Yeah, partly because um, of the dumb dome between the, that white roof. But I, I think that they should schedule a bunch of earlier season games where the weather's good. and Or they do have domes. You know, Milwaukee has one, but Seattle has one, Toronto has one, and those are colder weather spots earlier in the season, but obviously you just shut the roof and away you go. Others have it. Houston has one. Phoenix has one. They have one for heat purposes as opposed to the other way around. I think there's an underlying baseball community that we have here. And there's also, whoever put that out, a uh, just a a thirst to be big time. Yes. And if you have two major league sports, you're big time. Yes. So the question then is, who's going to pay for the stadium? I mean, who who is emotionally tied into this enough to think, yeah, I'll, I'll drop 700 well, for the How did you build your soccer stadium? It. Well, that was a tenth of the money. I think there's more people willing to make that investment. Uh, who, that doesn't answer the question. Well, some of the money came from the state and some there came you go. from the city and there some you go. was private. There you go. That answers your question. You think the state's going to pony up a quarter of a million dollars? Oh, they'll get that back tenfold. I've heard that argument. I don't think the state would do it. Okay. Good for you. But you would get it back. Benjamin says, only if you build the park downtown. Make it smaller and make it all about the atmosphere. Well, that's pretty much uh, what they're doing. You know, 38,000, 40,000, that's all these parks are not being bigger right. than that these days. There's no point in building the 50,000 seater. When people were playing in those, it was mostly because they were multi purpose and they're NFL too. And uh, yeah, the Dodgers baseball specific stuff has gone smaller. Accepting. Yeah. I mean, they're bigger when they also have 5 trillion people. Uh, so, yeah, I, Fenway and Wrigley are smaller. So. I think getting a team to come here is far greater hurdle than the stadium. Who might move? Oakland, Tampa Bay. Those are the two that seem to be getting talked about now. I don't know if there's anybody else. I think everybody else is in a pretty stable stadium situation. Uh, Diamondbacks aren't. No, there was all sorts of. Well, there was not rumors. There was. They talked to Henderson. Confirmed the talks that they had. With Vegas or talking about Sanderson? Inside. Henderson, Nevada. Same thing. All right, so there's three. Same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, the Padres, there's no point in having a team there. Thanks. <laughs> you haven't been to a game in hundreds of years. Less than hundreds. <laughs> you're, you're a San Diego fan in name only. You've been back to the community like twice in 25 years. I mean, come on. DJ and PK, it's 97.5. Be, be better for you because then you would go. DJ and PK, 97.5 you know, at 12.80. Before you go zone. to break here, because I, I went. What's the, what's the stadium now? Smith Ballpark? Smith Ballpark, yeah. yeah. I went there a few years back. And I talked to some people, and I saw that this was a gold mine. And if I didn't jump on B's baseball, Jake Scott, this is for you. I was going to be left behind in this business, and I wasn't going to be able to make it. And I went over there, and I walked up and down that stadium. And I walked around on the sidewalk, and I came to the conclusion, if I don't catch get on board right now, I'm going to get run over in this business. Jake Scott, that's for you. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Lyman Bush are hitting the road together this fall for the ultimate tour. Your chance to see them live with special guest Our Lady Peace is October 12th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. 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 Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. Tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We got four tickets to Live and Bush, the ultimate tour right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. All right, DJ and PK, we got more people uh, weighing in. Jake Scott texted me. He's starting his preparation on the Sacramento River Cats as we speak. Gordon says, since baseball is America's national pastime, and Utah is part of the United States of America, it would behoove us to have a team. Ergo, logic should prevail, not dollars. Well, dollars always prevails. Roy says, if it's the National League, I'm in. I would not go to a game with the designated hitter. Oh, that's stupid. Roy's drawing a line in the sand. I'd prefer no DH, but I've come around. If you want the DH, have the DH. I could live with it either way. As long as the thing that I think is absolutely ridiculous is that when we get to, in a couple of weeks, the World Series, it'll be at one park, yes, at another park, no. It just makes no sense to me. It's like in one arena, the three-point line is at this distance, and at another arena, the three-point line is at that distance. Yeah, it gets into the whole deal where you got one team that's stupid. The, batter, the pitchers haven't hit all year, and now they're going to supposed to hit in the biggest games with the most pressure. But if you go the other way and put the DH in, the National League team is saying, well, we didn't pay a DH all year because we don't have it. Now these guys 
have paid a DH, and some guys got to get used to doing that. And I agree. We don't have an extra guy on the team, so that's why they come up with this. Like it's you say, stupid. this crazy scenario where, like, well, on Tuesday we have a DH, but on Thursday we don't have a DH. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. <laughs> it makes no sense. There's no such thing like that anywhere, ever, in any sport, where you change the rules potentially dramatically. Right. But, like you say, it's with everything else, it comes back to money. Because they brought the DH in, and then free agency takes off, and now you're paying DHs more, and the owners are like, well, what would we put the DH in the National League for? And the union, the union you're going to have to bargain for it. So we're at this stalemate. This, I think it's ridiculous. Happening. And it all comes back to the money. Because it's not just now, it's not just the World Series, because they've now opened up interleague play throughout the season. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.